0: Oh yeah, that bass is dropping. It's the soundtrack to your week. DLC is on the air and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you chose to tune in to DLC, which, if you're one of our geeks and sneaks out there, could stand for determination and lasting commitment. We're letting you use DLC to fuel your workout or your run. We love that. DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsor this week. Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing DLC to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Ns 1T Kanata, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, slash father for the second time! Hello! Christian Spicer, everybody!
1: Hello, joined as always, except for when he leaves partway through his show, so his wife can give birth, Christian Spicer. Yeah, uh, all is well. Happy, healthy, home. Uh, in future episodes, you might hear baby crying in the distant background because my place isn't that big. But uh, Claire was born May 4th, oh. and I'm sure she will be sick of Star Wars by next year. <laughs> May the 4th be with Claire. Oh, little Claire. How adorable. I've seen pictures. She's, she's the cutest. Congratulations, man. Thank you. And haha, ha, take that other babies who Jeff doesn't think is as our, are our cute. As are cute. Yes. No,
0: yeah, I, uh, I only I realized that. There could be only one cute baby. Um, <laughs> I bet our, our guest was a cute baby. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> this week. <laughs> DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian, but this week we're excited. DLC stands for Detailing League Championships, because we've got the host and caster of the Heroes Hype Amateur Series, as well as a Twitch streamer, a gamer, and uh, the hostess of many, many game shows, too many to list, Miss <laughs> Gillyweed herself, JC Gluck. Hey, JC.
2: Hey, how's it going? It's great to be here.
0: Thanks for being on. Um, this is sort of my surreptitious way to to be able to talk more about Heroes of the Storm because you are <laughs> you are an expert Heroes of the Stormer.
2: Perfect. I love talking about heroes, so I'm I'm totally game.
0: Yeah, you do a lot of stuff uh, with StarCraft and and even more stuff now with with Heroes. Um, fill our audience in on kind of the stuff you do a little bit.
2: Yeah. So I started out as a pretty much dedicated YouTuber and since then have been getting more into Twitch streaming and mainly mainly doing Heroes of the Storm content full-time now. Um, I do cast a little bit, a couple of different series, including the Heroes Hype Amateur series, like you said, and then I also host a community show with my co-host that won a second place in the Twitch and Blizzard stream awards for Heroes of the Storm community stream, so it was pretty cool. And then, yeah, I, of course, stream every day as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you here. Uh, we got a lot to talk about this week, so let's get right to Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of- Wait. Story of the week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag on Twitter. That's DLC SOTW or by visiting, visiting our subreddit. That's at five by five DLC dot reddit dot com. JC, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. So what would you consider your story of the week this week?
2: Well, because of my um, involvement with Heroes of the Storm and it's basically my life, I'm going to have to go with the fact that Kael'thas was announced as the next playable character in Heroes of the Storm. And most people think he is going to be available tomorrow with a patch. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm excited. This is why I wanted you here. This is awesome. (laughs) This is how I get to talk about Heroes more. And Christian just has to sit there and take it. Love it.
2: (laughs) Not only that, uh, but... They all. They even released a skins video with just surprise, we have another hero coming too with Joanna the Crusader from Diablo. Yeah, that was
0: a weird way to announce that, right?
2: It was really weird, but totally awesome. I would love for them to announce cool characters like that because those skins were amazing.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, There's a Hearthstone card that you can ride around on as a mount, um, which is amazing. And there are uh, there's a there's a Martian version of Gazlo that has little spaceships instead of turrets. I want all of these things.
2: Yeah. And Um, Super Sonia, too, who when her abilities when she uses them has like little I don't think it's Kapow, but basically like little comic strip things that show up, which is just totally cool.
0: Yeah, she looks like this – you know how um, the Super scroll for comic book readers, Super Skrull is like a mashup of all the Fantastic Four powers in one guy. She, her skin looks like a mashup of of like Captain America, uh, the Iron Man, Thor, mm-hmm. and uh, she's got an eye patch from uh, Fury. It's cool, man. Super cool stuff.
2: <laughs> but yeah, tell
0: me I'm why just... Kael'thas is important.
2: Well, Kael'thas has a huge part in lore, of course, too, in Warcraft and world of Warcraft. He's the prince of Kael'thalas and of course leads the blood elves too. So he's got just a lot of lore involved with everything happening with Arthas too. And he's also going to be really cool because everyone generally thinks he's going to be the next mage like Jaina. Mm -hmm. And there's not really a whole lot of those in the game right now. And that's, it's going to be really neat. They already released his heroic abilities, which is also something new they've done. They've shown that it's going to be Pyroblast and Phoenix. And they talked about how um, at Heroes of the Dorm, there was a little bit of a meeting with developers and, and game designers, and they said how they're ramping up. They're going to be starting to release more heroes. They're aiming for one, I think, every three weeks.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's so rad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, having this Having this one come out, and, and already we know what the next one is. It just seems like that cycle is, is, uh, much quicker than it has been up to this point, which is, which is really cool. Um, I'm excited to talk way more heroes with you when we get to, uh, sort of our playlist section. Um, but, uh, Christian, are you, are you stoked about new heroes and here's the storm?
1: Of course, why wouldn't I be stoked for it? The game's not out yet. They're still packing it with content. It's free to play, and it doesn't monetize in an overly crappy way. It's somewhat the future of games and where more and more publishers are going. More publishers that can make money doing this means more competition, which means it's not just League and Dota dominating the conversation. This is basically why Heroes is coming in to really shape it like Tom Brady and I don't know, dude. (laughs) And <laughs> no, that sounded really good up until you petered out there. Uh but yeah. Uh, uh Christian what 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 is your uh what is your story of the week? Man, did you uh, <laughs> So I was late getting into the rundown. So I don't know if anyone would, if you guys had watched this yet. But I need to mention it and there's so much good stuff but um, I don't know how to say his name because I'll try. Koji Igarashi, I think that's it. I've never said it. Read it a bunch. He's uh, best known as the assistant director for Castlevania Symphony of the Night. He left Konami before you know the Konami ship started really getting <laughs> wobbly. Maybe like a year ago, two years ago now. But he has now just released his kickstarter kind of in the way of um uh mighty number no. nine it's basically castlevania it's called Bloodstained ritual of the night he has launched his kickstarter today it is a metroidvania style there's game. No, this ritual this ritual is going to have no
0: symphonies associated with it right there's not going to be any kind of there'll be no <laughs> large-scale orchestra brought in uh, of this night this is a ritual of the night but no orchestra is invited
1: Right. Well, maybe maybe that'll be a stretch goal where they can just buy the the, the IP from Konami that has no money. <laughs> um. So I mean, whatever. It's interesting in the sense of what does this say about Konami? Because um, Koji had been asked about what he was doing before and wasn't able to talk about it and said he had a thing but wasn't you know couldn't do whatever whatever whatever. And I think it's interesting timing for this to come out now with all the other stuff that's happening at Konami. He says that, you know, he shopped it to other publishers around the world and people were interested, but no one wanted to take the plunge fully. And now the Kickstarter is saying that, you know, they have backers, but they need to see that there's fan involvement. So don't be worried about this game not getting made. Don't be worried that I'm not asking for $4 million. Like we have most of the money. Uh, We just need to show that people want this game. So come support us. But the video is everything I love about crazy video game videos from i don't know it feels kind of like late 90s early 2000s where (laughs) watch it for yourselves everybody but i will spoil it for you lightning strikes a tombstone a little fairy comes (laughs) out flies into a castle and then spawns into koji himself and he walks through this castle talking about the game And then the part where he talks about the things they want to do to the game. He's like, we're going to give the game more bosses and, you know, more complexity and more depth. He's sitting there torturing a dude. (laughs) (laughs) And this isn't like him necessarily as a character. I mean, it is, but it's like the good old days of cowboy hats and and whips and uh, crawling out on stage in a ghillie suit. Like all of the awesome things. And he sits there and he has a glass of wine sitting in this chair. And he goes, developers told me no one wanted this type of game. Then there's an awkward pause, and he takes a tiny sip of of wine, and then he throws the glass onto the ground. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the game's going to be great if it gets made. It has great pedigree behind it. Symphony of the Night um, is an uh, incredible game. And I love these types of games, but the video alone is almost worth it, even if the game... Never gets made, but uh, well, did you, they made two hundred grand in thirty minutes.
0: They made two hundred thousand mm. dollars in thirty minutes after this went up. So I think they're in pretty good shape uh, to hit their five hundred grand goal in the next thirty two days. So uh, what do you think of it, uh, JC?
2: The concept art looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. the, the the video was hilarious too, and it definitely seems like it's going to be funded because yeah, like you said, they're already at two hundred k. But yeah, I'm looking at the concept art right now, and man, it looks really really cool.
1: Yeah, it looks like an HD, a really well-made HD and um, art asset Castlevania, right? I mean, if exactly. you, could, you could put Castlevania on this game and no one would bat an eye. It So if you love those types of games and that art style that was from the Game Boy Advanced era or Symphony of the Night, but HD and really sharp looking, I think you're going to dig this game's art style. I can't
0: wait for, uh, five to ten years from now when we have the inevitable fighting game franchise that is, um, the, the analog versions of these characters versus the real versions of these characters. So it's like Castlevania versus Bloodstained, uh, <laughs> Mega Man <laughs> versus, uh, Mighty number no. nine, uh, Banjo Kazooie
1: versus, uh, whatchamacallit. You know, it's I all thought you were like, going to say we were going to have fighting games on Kickstarter in games that would be named like No One Lives Forever Combat, but spelled with a C, and maybe <laughs> Alley Brawler.
0: <laughs> I'd love but a No, no One Lives games Forever People. Combat if it's Kate Archer. If it's Kate Archer <laughs> kicking butt, I'm into that.
1: Yeah, that'd be great.
2: Yeah, the name of this game is pretty hardcore. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. <laughs> It doesn't it's pretty like, epic.
1: It's like
0: putting into a a name generator on, <laughs> yeah. on the internet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um I don't know about that. I, I think it's awesome. I, I you can't not think it's awesome, right? But it but It's kind of funny. Like, I guess this is what people want. They want Banjo-Kazooie games. They want Castlevania games. They want old school stuff. People are throwing their money at this stuff. And that's and it's great that we have this avenue of ways that we can get these
1: old school games made with these old school creators that actually made this stuff. So it's what a small, a small portion of people willing to spend money want. I mean, none of these games will be the bestseller of the year. That will still likely be Call of Duty or, you know, something like that. But what's great about this is it's something along the lines of like Patreon or even, I guess it says Kickstarter, where if you have a dedicated fan base that's willing to support you making something cool, you can make it. Whereas before, you would need to go over to, you know, Mr. Sony or, you know, Mr. Activision or Miss um, Capcom and talk to them and, and get things made. And now you don't you can bypass that. And that's what this is proving. I mean, it's raised that much money, but was still only a few thousand supporters. So that's the yeah. cool thing. It is very cool. And, you know, they've got this David Hader
0: as a as a stretch goal voice acting with David Hader. You know, it's like, remember when you liked him from Metal Gear Solid? He's not doing that anymore. We'll take him. We like him. It's Mm -hmm. the whole the whole vibe of it is people tell you you can't have what you want. We're giving you what you want. Uh, And I think people respond to that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, so again, bloodstained ritual of the night. If you want to find that on Kickstarter, you still have over a month to, to throw your dollars at this as well. Or just um, watch the video. Or just watch the video, which is, <laughs> yeah, it's own reward. Um. Lots of news for me to chime in on, but I think everybody could probably guess where I'm going with my story of the week. We got a release window for Oculus in mm-hmm. uh, Jeff's VR story of the week. Um, unfortunately, it's not this year. It's uh, first quarter 2016. But it sounds like they're indicating that the Oculus release edition is going to be less expensive than maybe we all anticipated no official price has been announced, but in their announcement that it's coming out 2016, first part of 2016, they said they're going to start releasing more and more information in dribs and drabs over the next several weeks. Uh, every week they're going to announce more information. I'm guessing at E3 we'll get kind of a firm release um, statistics and, and probably a, a look at what the final version is going to be and, and maybe even a price at that point. But at this point, Uh, everybody from Oculus is indicating that it's only going to be quote, a little bit more expensive than gear VR, which is only 200 bucks. So I think all of us on this show have been predicting it would be in the $500 range, which I would not consider to be only a little bit more expensive than $200. I would say that's more than double, right? So a lot more expensive. So do you guys think that this is going to be a $300 device a $350 device? What do you think, JC? Are you excited about Oculus?
2: I'm really excited. I have tried the one of the first developers ones, and I got crazy motion sickness. But I hear oh. that they have in, like made that way better, so I'm really mm-hmm. hopeful that that is the case because I would love to get my hands on one of these. But I'm thinking that if they really want it to want to mass produce it, they're going to need it to not be you know five six hundred dollar range. So I'm I'm hoping that they're looking at around three hundred, like they said.
0: Do you think two ninety nine is too crazy to hope for? I, I'm I'm thinking three forty nine would be right in the wheelhouse of of you know it's probably more like three ninety-nine, but a three forty-nine would be pretty good. What's mm-hmm. your prediction?
2: Uh yeah, I'll probably go four hundred. I'm yeah, guessing that yeah. that'll be three ninety
1: nine. What what world do you live in where three forty nine is pretty good? I mean, I <laughs> guess it's better than 2000 but it's the same price as a as a console. Like this is that's crazy. It's a you super think? expensive peripheral that can only be used for some games it has no must have app yet or game exclusive um you know killer app exclusive to Oculus. I mean maybe this is what they did. This was the the long plan forever is that they release these dev kits at a price and they get everybody thinking it's going to be 600 800 bucks and they're like hey it's only 400 and we're like what yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> okay. run out to buy them, thinking it's thinking it's cheap. I mean, I don't know, dude. I love the idea of this, and I think it is eventually the future when it's its own self-sustaining thing. But at three forty nine for an add on, it it's going to be the hardest of hardcore or hobbyist gamers only is my prediction.
2: Maybe they all the come out with, with it at that, and then. Drop it pretty quickly after they at least get initially <laughs> get, you know the initial people who will be willing to, to shell out for that because I think there will be people who would be
1: oh, they're, they're, oh their names be. are jeff Kanaba.
2: yeah I will,
0: I will pay you tell me what to pay I will pay it <laughs> i I'm, I'm a sucker, I admit it. Uh, the chat room is going crazy uh j t twenty six says two forty nine I think that's that's too much to hope for uh panda david says uh, two ninety nine um I think everybody's I don't know, I, I, I understand and agree that that's a lot of money, but in the day of cell phones being five, six hundred dollars if you don't have a contract,
1: this is a device with a lot of tech in it. Oh, um, well, I'm not saying it's I, not worth the money. Um, you know, I'm not saying that the their tech doesn't justify the cost per se. I don't think they have as high of profit margins as Apple does in their products, but I think it's easier to justify a phone that does everything you use a million times a day than your vr headset yeah in terms of mainstream appeal are gonna aren't be they looking it, at
2: because it's facebook aren't they looking at doing things besides just gaming on it
1: Mm-hmm.
0: definitely yeah i think we're gonna see gaming first because that's what everybody's been working on most mm-hmm. but uh it'll certainly have other applications moving forward um it's interesting, you know, if you've got that, those Facebook billions, they could sell it at a loss. You know, that's a, that's certainly a possibility. Well, I'm I also curious. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, I'm curious about this, uh, the feeling of, of you know, what it's going to be in relation to something like the HoloLens. If this is in something that is not a standalone device, It could undercut something like HoloLens that is a standalone device and probably more expensive to make because it has a whole computer inside it. Um, It's going to be interesting. And also, you know, they're talking about maybe it will be compatible with consoles. They want it to be
1: compatible with consoles. What were you going to say, Christian? Oh, I just like the idea that this is coming out of Oculus that is owned by Facebook, bought for a billion dollars. And so it's probably Mark Zuckerberg. This is like, yeah, it's only going to be a little more. Mm Then (laughs) two hundred (laughs) dollars. I don't know. It's it's, it's whatever this thing I have burning in my fireplace. How much did I put in there? Four thousand. It's about that much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. I'm. It's going to be interesting to see if Vive
0: can can hit the 2015 release that they claim that they're going to do. I think the first one of these to market is going to have an advantage just because of all the pent up excitement about what VR brings to the table, but. Uh, this E3 is going to be a lot about virtual reality, I think. It's going to be really interesting to see what kind of launch titles these things are going to have, what kind of launch support these things are going to have. And a lot of what they're talking about in uh, these interviews, uh, where all this information came from, is how they're going to sell it, which I think is going to be the real trick. It's all about... you know It looks dorky. It looks stupid when you put it on. Uh, I will be the first to admit that. But and, and in order to create a mainstream product you need to get people to put them on and have the experience from inside it and so they're talking a lot about retail stores and and having demo units in retail stores so that people can actually experience it because
1: i think experiencing is believing in in this case more than a lot of other things either that or you just get Jameer Kwai back out there put a headset on him have him make a dope music video called virtual reality insanity so there you go <laughs> sweet That's all. reference bro That's all it takes. Thank you, thank you. Twenty year references, uh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so JC, are you? If if uh, if
0: you could only get one VR device, which one are you leaning toward at this point? Other than throwing up, being uh, an impediment to any of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I probably would go with Oculus, but I think for me, a, a biggest point is going to be price point and what games I could get on them. It'll, it'll all come down to, you know, the games that I like most, which ones they would be on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is going to be the real interesting bit. And they're talking about, you know, no support for Mac or at least ducking the question of whether it's going to be supported on Mac. And if this is going to be compatible with consoles, they say they wanted to get it on, on the PlayStation four, but I can't imagine Sony would allow that. What with uh, project Morpheus happening. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Vive comes out I don't think Vive is a inexpensive product. And if Oculus is announced at something low, like two fifty, and Vive is around the five or $600 range. Cause it's got, you know, it's got room sensors. It's got all, it's got joysticks. It's got all kinds of other stuff. I can't imagine that device will be less expensive than Oculus or even on the same, on the same price tier. It'll be interesting to see if that is a problem for Vive going forward. Um, I'm, going to buy all of them I <laughs> <laughs> um let's talk about some other stories here some interesting nintendo stuff in the mix we got word that there's going to be nintendo theme parks uh or at least <laughs> <laughs> sections <laughs> 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 is
1: that
0: the song i don't know i think it's um <laughs> I think that's the theme song. um <laughs> Universal theme parks, uh, Universal Studios, Orlando, and uh, there's one in Singapore, I think. They are going to make Nintendo-themed rides and attractions. This is big, big news. Nintendo, everybody says Nintendo's the Disney of video games. Now they can actually be the Disneyland of video games, potentially. JC, are you excited about Nintendo rides? And if so, what do you want to ride? Which Nintendo uh, ride do you want to <laughs> see first?
2: I was really hoping you were going to ask me this question, and I really hope <laughs> that I get some sort of Wind Waker ride.
0: Ooh, good idea! Will you grab be onto awesome. a leaf? Grab onto a leaf and leap off of a ledge.
2: <laughs> yes, just like the art style of Wind Waker Two. Like I mm. could really see some cool stuff from that.
0: Ah. As long as you're not sitting in a sailboat sort of petering around a a, a lake for like no, an hour and a half
1: that's that's yeah, it's it's a like wind an action. Waker world after all <laughs> <No. It's> a <laughs> <wind waker. laughs> that's a
0: really great one i thought you know the obvious the obvious one is mario kart right because uh, mm. mario kart feels like a ride anyway and you could you could have some sort of i think people if you look on youtube people have been building their own mario kart you know, replicas and throwing fake turtle shells at each other. But if you came up with some sort of awesome ride version of that, that would be cool. But I, I want to like go down inside pipes and, uh, I don't know, throw fireballs at stuff. I don't know how to do that. Get on <laughs> it, Imagineers. Make it happen. What yeah, about you, Christian? It's their job you... to
2: come up with that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to think of it for you. But, you know, Nintendo Land is already a thing. So, Maybe they already knew about that when they made Nintendo land low those many years ago.
1: (laughs) I mean, this is a a very smart get for universal studios, right? They had Marvel before, and I think they still have some Marvel stuff now, but obviously that's getting um, phased out as Disney reacquires those, those rights to have those rides. And so it looked like, what does universal have? Then they got a big get with Harry Potter and Harry Potter, a wonderful wizardry world, whatever they call it is awesome in Orlando and it's supposed to be coming here to LA as well. And then Nintendo, this could be huge. They have Simpsons, uh, Harry Potter, and Nintendo. And my pitch for the Mario Kart ride actually isn't a ride, but it's the Back to the Future or Spider-Man current one at Universal Studios. It's that you're in the car, 3D, mm, like Transformers yeah. thing, where you you a know, shell hits you and you shake and you're zooming around and it looks like this awesome thing. And then the, the ride that I would think, here's my big pitch outside the box, is Donkey Kong and your little car is a barrel, and you get thrown. Like, that's how they, you know, oh, start that's the ride.
2: Cool.
1: <laughs> he chucks you, and then you're zooming around doing stuff. But this is great. Who who wouldn't, my, I mean, my snarky tweet about it was finally something Nintendo-related that will have longer lines in retailer-specific Amiibo. But, um... hey who? This is great. Everybody wants this. Universal has done really good rides with their branded content in the past. So I think this is going to be awesome some good suggestions in the chat. Uh
0: Maximilian says a Luigi's Mansion Ghost House.
2: Yes. So sort of like uh,
0: the haunted mansion at Disneyland. Um there is uh Stats1 says Real Life Splatoon where you're shoot I guess it could be like a water park version of a Splatoon where you're shooting water colored water at each other. That could be fun. Um I'm down I'm down for this. I think this is good for Nintendo. I think this <laughs> solidifies you know what what their their cultural relevance i think i mean they're already culturally relevant but to be able to go and experience those things and like bring your kids and it's you know they're the kids video game company let let it be let it
1: be completely about that that's great but what if the whole area is just metroid and they just let you in and you don't have a map at first and you can't get to any of the rides <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and you get to, you can see the door you need to go through but you need to find <laughs> Uh, a a better ticket somewhere to get to it. It's like one of those escape the room type things, but that's the whole theme park.
0: (laughs) I love it. Um, More Nintendo news, uh, or I should say more Nintendo not news. This is whatever the opposite of the E3 hype train is. This is like the train stop uh, We got news this week that Nintendo will not be talking about several things at E3. Don't get excited, says Iwata. <laughs> we're not talking about stuff. There's stuff we're not talking about, including all of the exciting things we've been talking about, including their new console, the NX, codenamed the NX. Uh, not talking about that until 2016. Uh, not talking about mobile games, although we're gonna be making a whole bunch of them before March of 2017. And by whole bunch, we mean <laughs> five. <laughs> so f- in two years, we'll make at least five mobile games. Uh, but we're not talking about them, not talking about them this year. Uh, also not talking about our, uh, life. Quality of life initiative where they were going to, talking about how Nintendo's big new push is going to be about making your life better. Not talking about that. Not talking about that at E3. What about, what about so, the new Zelda? Uh, I don't think they're talking about that either, bro. They're not talking about it. I don't think they're talking about that. What are they um, talking they, about? Star Fox, all Star Fox all the time <laughs> at, at E3. Um, what do you think, JC? Is a uh, Nintendo being smart by not talking about this stuff and focusing on games at E3?
2: I don't know. I feel I. I feel like they could at least say something, right? Give a little bit to get people, keep people hyped.
0: Yeah. Why did they talk about it this early? Then you <laughs> I know, know, like if you don't want to talk about say it. Don't talk say, about No, it.
2: we're not going to talk about it though.
0: Yeah, I don't understand yeah. why it's like, hey, we're working on a new console. It's not close. I did call this, by the way, though, when, right when we heard that news, I said they're not going to talk about it anymore in 2015. And uh turns out I was right. But it just seems <laughs> like an odd move to to say you're doing something and then say, oh, we're not talking about that for at the most important video game convention
1: in the world. I don't know. What do you Welcome think, Christian? Welcome to Nintendo. We've got great games that we won't talk about. An amazing new console. Shut your face. You'll never hear us mention it again. <laughs> and lots of awesome things coming to the world of, of Orlando Studios. If you mention that, I'll kill your mom. Welcome to <laughs> Nintendo.
0: It, here's so, what I think, though. It, you know, it, it, There is a version in which this is really smart, which is only talk about the stuff that's happening soon. Like, why get people excited about things that aren't happening soon? It sounds like all of these things are pretty far away, including Cue Zelda. Cricket
1: noise. Go ahead.
0: Well, but, you know, if, if Star Fox is gonna be shown at E3 and then come out at the end of 2015, yeah, make the show about that. Make the show about, um, you know, the, the, the plushy, um, Yoshi game, whose name escapes me right now. Um, Yarn. make the show about Splatoon. Make the show about the games that are coming out now. Uh, I don't think that's a bad
1: thing. Nor do I. I mean, I think um, sometimes it's a good thing to not talk about things. I.e., I really hope it's not close to done. Um, I think Activision should not have talked about Tony Hawk Five yet. Woof! Did you guys see these screens? What? A oh, we'll get pile to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But t- but tell me about. I mean, tell me about
0: uh, Nintendo strategy because you're critical. Are you? Do you want them to be only talking about games that? you can get this year, this calendar year? Is that a good thing? Or do you need to have uh, dangling some
1: carrots out out in front? It, I mean, it's it's the balance of the both, right? You want to talk about things that are coming out this year that are going to get people excited. But then again, you need to make sure you have enough things coming out this year. If they just say, so there's Star Fox, which whew, I don't know. I, I don't know if that comes this year. There's Mario Maker, there's Splatoon, there's Kirby's Epic Yarn. I don't That's know what Kirby's Epic Yarn? What? No, Wooly World. Uh, Yoshi's Wooly Yoshi's Wooly World is what you're thinking of, yeah. Correct. Yeah, it's the next Epic Yarn one. Yeah, right. In in that style. I mean, that's not enough. I mean, Xbox, what was it, two years ago? They Or maybe for the past couple of years they did, were only showing games that are coming out this year. But they had a bunch of games coming out, some first party then a bunch of third party and then third party DLC exclusives. And that was enough to get people hyped. But even that, when they did that, they still end it with uh, one more thing Halo, one more thing gear or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you need a little bit of, this is all this year. Awesome, 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 awesome. Boom, here we go. But then again, Nintendo's already bucked the trend of doing an E3 conference and all of this stuff anyway. So it's not as if they need to fill 90 minutes on stage with stuff. They do their Nintendo Direct, talk about what they want to talk about, and then move on. And who cares? And they have their booth, and they're making money. Yeah, ETH Demon points out
0: that Mario Maker is this year. That's kind of a cool game, I guess. Uh, I think... Star Fox has to be this year or they don't have a tentpole at the end of the year. Like what, what else? I mean, woolly world, I'm excited for it. I don't think that's a tentpole Christmas game for them. I, I think there has to be something that they're not showing that they're going to debut in the E3 window. That is going to be this calendar year and is going to be a big deal. Uh,
2: Enough of a deal that people won't be offended by not hearing more about the next maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean so JC what is that though? Does, I, mean, it... Oof,
2: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> My heart's telling me Zelda, but probably not. Yeah, there's no
0: way. Uh chat room says Xenoblade X, which yeah, Xenoblade is great. Um but it's I think a, a Miyamoto game it needs to happen this year and Miyamoto's working on Star Fox, right? So that's mm. I think that's that's your answer. I don't know. All roads lead to that, I
1: hope. I hope. I want to play that game this year, that's for sure. Metroid. I, I, they, if they had a Metroid bomb somehow, that would be incredible. I just don't have hope that it's like going to come out this year. Like they curl into a tight little ball and then drop a <laughs> Metroid bomb? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> and then jump up to
0: the top of the convention center, yeah. <laughs> um. Let's take a moment and thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blogger, online store for you And your ideas. The best thing about Squarespace is that it is simple. It is powerful and it is beautiful. So you can make something awesome, you can make something elegant and you can make something striking online and you don't have to make it complicated. It doesn't have to take you all day. It's easy. Squarespace is inexpensive as well. It's only 8 bucks a month and you get a free domain name if you buy Squarespace for a year. It has a what you see is what you get drag and drop interface that lets you create really cool stuff. You start off with a a template that's already cool and you can make it your own so it doesn't look like every other site online and you have drag and drop commerce every single website comes with a free online store. So if you're selling something, it makes it easy to just plug that right in. It's awesome. Also 24 seven support via live chat and email. And I have to say I used that this week. My site I uh I real borked it real good, guys. I borked up my site jeffcanada.com, which has been on Squarespace for gosh, almost a decade, and uh I don't know what I did wrong, but I borked it real good and uh I contacted Squarespace's uh 24/7 support. They got back to me really fast. They fixed it for me. It was it was great. And I thought to myself, this is exactly the kind of thing that I talk about all the time in the Squarespace ad, but it just happened to me this week because uh, I can mess stuff up. I can really uh, really mess stuff up real good. And, and they had my back. It was great. Uh, you can start a trial with no credit card required at all. So just build your site. See if you like it. Don't even have to put in a credit card. So they're not going to automatically charge you if you forget about it. Not going to happen. Check it out. Try Try Squarespace for free and do so using our URL. That's squarespace.com slash DLC. And if you do that, you'll get 10% off your first purchase and you'll show your support for DLC. So it's squarespace.com slash DLC. We appreciate them supporting the show. Hope you support them in return. All right, guys. More interesting stories. How about, okay... Christian brought up the screenshots of Tony Hawk pro skater five.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Christian, you are, <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, I, think that was- I think that's the, uh, the universal reaction to them. <laughs> Move on. Next story. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you are not impressed, JC, you are not impressed.
2: Woof. <laughs> 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 it's not very pretty.
0: Well, the weird thing is these look like, or at least what they claim they are, are remakes of classic Tony Hawk Pro Skater arenas, uh, maps.
1: There's the school and the, the I don't know, hideout, whatever it's called. I don't, I don't think that's right, though. I think they were combining, like, the warehouse and the hideout into one kind of mega level, but they were doing new things. Like, this isn't Tony Hawk HD. This is Tony Hawk 5. Yeah. It doesn't look good, does it? And if, no.
0: especially even if this were just remakes of old levels, why release those as the first screenshots
1: of the game if they look like this? Yeah. And I'm sure there are wonderful people uh, working there, but it's made by Robo Mondo, who did Tony Hawk HD, which was garbage. Like, I don't know how they messed up, but the physics were wrong. I mean, it It wasn't. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was off in all the wrong ways. And that doesn't scream. Excitement for this? Those screenshots don't help, and then they release some bullet points saying we're taking it back to classic the Tony Hawk you love, like shooting. What?
0: (laughs) Oh man, you're you're a big skating game fan as a as also a actual roller skater and skateboarder, Christian. So
1: you were one of those people that was excited for new Tony Hawk, weren't you? Right? I would. I don't. I mean, it must be harder to do than I think it is but i don't i just don't understand take tony hawk 2 maybe even maybe even some of the thug games but i would say take tony hawk 2 take exactly that game go the halo anniversary route to it you know put pretty graphics on those physics and then make new levels and release it for $20 do that yeah like is that it can't be that hard but i guess it is i guess it's impossible cuz it looks like this is going to be a $60 Something also, or they said it's going to be a full release. I think is the words someone at Activision used. And it, I just, I love these games. Ollie Ollie's great. Tony Hawk was great. Tony Hawk on the Game Boy Advance. Tony Hawk Two on the Game Boy Advance is an incredible game on a system that should not have had an incredible Tony Hawk. And they just keep messing these up. I think Robo Mondo or whatever their name is too also did ride or some of those plastic skateboard things. Then uh, I forget where I read it. it Might have been on Neogaf. Someone said. You know, Tony Hawk had previously announced that they were going to do a new Tony Hawk game that was going to be for mobile, <laughs> and someone said, yeah, they just took that game and decided to put it on Xbox One also, because that's what it looks like. <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't uh, get anyone excited, doesn't get anyone ready to pre-order. I, I just don't understand. Did no one at the company look at these and say, hey, we have faith in this game, but let's not release this yet. Let's not show this picture. What are they doing? Tony Hawk's, Tony Hawk's own face doesn't look excited.
0: That's the thing that's most (laughs) baffling to me is he he has the most bored stone face look and like he's doing this wicked kickflip in the screenshot, right? But his face looks like, uh, I just had to tell you your grandma passed away last Tuesday, you know? It's, it's. We couldn't save your dog. I'm sorry, sir. You know, but he's doing this mad kickflip. It's, you know, it's, it's the, it's the face of Tony Hawk who came in at 4.30 PM on a Thursday <laughs> after a long day to get his face mapped into this video game. And this is the next thing on the schedule. Sit down to the face mapping machine. And then they don't do anything to it to like paste on a smile or anything. You know, there's no, there's no structure there to give him any kind of expression
1: other than I wish I were not here right now. <laughs>
2: The, and all would, the faces are like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. I would um, love to be wrong. Like I would love to eat crow on this game. I would love to buy it and love it and nothing else, but I just don't I don't know what they're doing. And and look at the way they released, you know, uh Black Ops three. Activ- obviously different uh, developers developer, same publisher, but it was like they teased into it, they did it. This is a storied franchise that's still hitting hard, still selling well. They do this story based, like heart pumping trailer. This game's coming out. Pre order, pre order, pre order, pre order. Tony Hawk five, they're like, here's two screenshots that look like crap. But we're going back to basics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, how many copies did the last Tony Hawk game sell versus how many copies did the last COD game sell? You know, that that that's the story of that. Truth. Um JC, you are younger than we are. did you ever even play the old Tony Hawk Pro Skater games?
2: No, I have not yeah. played them. Yeah.
0: They were great. They were great games when we were kids, when we were younger, but uh it's been a long time since that franchise had any greatness associated with it, which is sad. And I want that to not be the somebody case.
2: Somebody who's not like into skateboarding at all would would still enjoy playing the games.
0: Yes. Yes, yeah. those games. That Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 uh, was a game that was thrilling and fun as a video game because it was a video game. I mean, it's like I play SSX and I don't snowboard, you know, I snow ski. <laughs> I don't like snowboarding particularly, but I play the crap out of SSX because it's a video game that's really, really fun. Um, I think the same thing
1: is true with the Tony Hawk games, but... You also unnecessarily add the word snow before the word ski. That's because <laughs> I water ski, dude. I water ski. Okay, and so you so to differentiate and you
0: ski. Cause when I was a kid, if you went skiing,
1: it was the summer and you were behind a boat. No, well, that's true. I guess I do I snowboard, but I also waterboard, so it's good to have the distinction in there. I hate you.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, man. But at least we um, both agree that we hate the way these screenshots look. So we can find common love over our hatred for Tony Hawk five screenshots. That's true. I, it's just sad. It's more sad than anything else. It's like,
0: this is, this is the debut of the, what the game's going to look like. And people have been clamoring. We we talked about the rumor with the, the chef, like revealing the fact that five was being made like people, there's excitement for it. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of excitement, we were talking about Lego dimensions, which is the, uh, the new in the genre of of you know uh, skylanders and um disney infinity type games that lego is going to do and we were speculating on some of the the ip that might be leveraged to make lego dimensions cool we got confirmation this week of some really really cool stuff uh there was a leak of some mockups of some ads for different add-on packs including the simpsons doctor who jurassic world and uh scooby-doo also there's a portal 2 valve (laughs) portal 2 version of lego dimensions uh jc is this what's your take what do you like this is this exciting
2: this is so cool. It's so cool to see all of the different IPs just like s- spanning from one of my favorite video games, which is Portal 2, all the way to like The Simpsons. That's, that's so crazy and even Jurassic World. But the one that I'm most excited about by far is Portal 2. There's even a little Chell I see. Ah, that's so cool.
0: Right. Yeah. W- what do you want this game to be like? Do, do you think it'll be uh, like the Lego video games or do you think it'll have its own sort of interesting different play style?
2: Um, I'm sure they're going to stick at least a little bit or at least draw to the Lego video games for play styles and that type of thing because they're so insanely popular and they're well done. Um, mm-hmm. I would hope that they would at least take good parts from that, but make it a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by this. I think this is, you know, I love Lego so much and. I hope that they embrace this creativity in Lego and let you to build crazy crap that isn't just IP stuff. I mean, I dig the IP that we're seeing here, but I want there to be some outside the box, just make crazy Lego things. Mm-hmm. Christian, you're a big Lego video game fan.
1: Um, is this added news kind of fulfill the promise of what dimensions set out to be? Oh, I'm sorry. My wife and I just got a divorce because I sold our house to leverage my Lego Dimension um, addiction. <laughs> right, well, yeah, that sounds I about mean, right as far as money-wise. What a... Uh, it's like, oh, we don't. We can't do Marvel or DC. I mean, I'm sorry, they're doing DC. We can't do Marvel. They have their own. Uh, they're in Disney Infinity. I guess we'll just get every other IP. Like, what a oh, a wide array of IP and all sorts of stuff from simpsons to portal to back to the future um just dc superheroes lord of the rings wizard of oz doctor who it i mean yeah. all lego this is incredible jeff start ratcheting down your expectations though you're not going to be able to build anything you want and put it in the game you that i don't think the tech is there it's not like a a build sp- stuff though spatial scanner where you'll get to put it needs to know what you built why not It doesn't matter what you build. You can just put that little chip on there and be like, oh, you got the Back to the Future car and it will put that in there. Why not? I like your little uh, 11-year-old like, why? I want to. (laughs) Uh, That's what I want, though. It'll be great, but it's not there yet. Not until the Kinect comes out for the Xbox 360 where you can scan in (laughs) your own designs and get them in the game. We're not there yet from a tech point. Lego Dimension won't be the game to do it, but... Between this and Disney Infinity 3.0, which I don't know if we talked about at all, that looks incredible. The art style on the Star Wars guys looks incredible. And the devs, they're saying they're bringing in to you know toy uh, tinker with the gameplay aspects of it, also incredible. The team behind uh, Sonic All-Star Racing is working on um, the speeder bike stuff for Star Wars. Uh, Ninja theory is working on the combat stuff for lightsabers. I know I just totally transitioned to Disney infinity 3.0, but between these (laughs) two games, uh, I'm definitely not buying a VR headset. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll make a deal. You can play VR at my house. I'll come over
0: to your house and play with your toys and we'll both be single. Great. Yeah. We'll both be divorced and, uh, (laughs) and poor. (laughs) Oh, well, at least we figured that out early. Um, how about well we all we knew fallout 4 was coming i don't even need to talk about this basic confirmation that fallout 4 is going to be announced at e3 we knew it right it's not even this isn't even news
1: right guys right. this is a sure bet than your bet on the pacquiao mayweather fight being a bad <laughs> bet you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 100 yeah. percent going to be there there's no way it's not it's not coming out this year but it will be at e3 in a big way 100%. This doesn't even deserve being having the Hype Train song. Like it doesn't
0: even, it's not even, it's just.
2: But it's Fallout. A
0: given. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: true. You <laughs> it's know, freaking what you, Fallout. What is Fallout to you though?
2: Uh, like to me specifically? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I'm just curious for someone. Because Fallout to me is a franchise that my older brother loved that I never got into. And then Fallout 3 came out and, I, and he was like, it's going to stink. And then he loved that. And to me, it's been this thing that my older brother always liked that I never got into, despite its reinvention as a third-person, you know, Morrowind-style game. Like, what does mm-hmm. uh, Fallout uh, trigger for you? Like, what is it? What does Fallout 4 for, for you? What place does it hold for you in in your gaming uh excitement based is that a thing it's now it is now i just come up with show (laughs) titles it totally
2: (laughs) is You're, you're good so mine's kind of similar in that it was introduced to me by my brothers as well and my brothers have been pretty much the reason that i am like into video games into cool films and anything like that because they started on me very young to make sure that i liked things that they deemed cool so they got me into fallout and so for me it's very nostalgic in that it's something that I with my family can get really, really excited over. I think the world is so incredible. I love post-apocalyptic stuff, and Fallout just fills that obviously so well. And I, I won't give it away, but then I read this about who's going to do the trailer, and they're possibly doing the trailer. And I just about ran around the house freaking out because somebody I love. Well,
0: I mean, we can we can reveal it if you want, but oh, okay. it, it's. It, it's a cinematic trailer. Is, is that exciting? It's exciting to see a cinematic trailer that has no gameplay footage in it.
2: Is it? The t- I don't know. The... It's Guillermo, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's Campbell de Toro is the rumor, right? You didn't read into the but, pitch of Jeff's voice though. Whenever Jeff talks like this, he means he doesn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking,
0: I, you know, <laughs> if we get, if we go, you know, I'm, I'm going to the Bethesda press conference this year. The, the first time ever they're doing a, a publisher specific press conference and they're doing it Sunday night before uh, e3 so we've e3 has bled into yet another day e3 is only supposed to be tuesday wednesday thursday but now it has bled back into sunday uh, which is exciting i'm excited i can't wait but uh if they announce fallout 4 and then only show a even if it's made by guillermo del toro and mm-hmm. even if it's amazingly awesome and cool and it's live action and rad and oh wow i will still be very disappointed if we only get a cinematic trailer
2: That's i hope they go year. I hope they go the Blizzard route, you know, when they introduced Overwatch and had that really cool cinematic trailer, but also followed up right away with the gameplay. That would be best of both worlds. We'll hope for that. Because I could totally understand not seeing gameplay being annoying.
1: You'll see gameplay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I like that idea. I like that idea of start with the cinematic trailer, but wait, there's more. Because really, if they're doing an entire press conference, what else is Bethesda going to show? I guess they've got, you know, a few other franchises, but... Dishonored 2, you're right. Dishonored 2, or at least tease it. And, uh, yeah, evil within 2, maybe? I don't know. Um. No, that's evil. The evil got out. The evil is without? (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) The evil is somewhere else. (laughs) Uh, right, so we are excited, so I guess I have to play this. We decided it was worth it. We decided it deserved hype train, even though it will surprise absolutely zero people when Fallout 4 is announced. Uh, I guess uh, Guillermo and the fact that uh, it's, you know, it's The only reason it won't be announced
1: now is that Guillermo's working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Everything he touches doesn't happen. Unfortunately. But this is just, to be clear, my understanding is this is just the 3D animation house that he owns or is part owner of is rumored to have worked on the trailer. I don't think Guillermo is in there saying, give this tree creepy arms or, you know, whatever Guillermo's magic is, which is, don't get me wrong, magic. Um, But this game's coming. They're going to show a good chunk of it. I think, Jeff, you'll be very happy. And this is all based on purely nothing, of course, but I'd be willing to bet on it. You're going to take that all back when that tree has creepy arms. I'm just telling you. (laughs) It Um, might. It is Fallout.
0: JC, I know you're all uh, all heroes and all StarCraft all the time, but uh, Mm -hmm. what what are you most excited about from E3 as far as announcements? Is there a game or games that you're most anticipating?
2: Um, I'd definitely be looking for a huge game announcement from Nintendo. I think that that will probably be big when we were when I was at PAX. East and I saw Splatoon. I was very pumped because it looked so cool. So I just want to hear more about that. Continue to hear more about that. But then um, Fallout 4, for sure.
0: Do you have a Wii U? I do have a Wii U. Hmm, Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, One of the games that I'm most excited about, it's not going to be a new announcement, but I think we're going to see lots more about it uh, because the last two years I've been super amped, is The Division from Ubisoft. Unfortunately, we got some news this week that might cause some worry in the Division camp. It sounds like they're bringing in yet another developer to work on the Division. Um, it's uh, a Ubisoft Annecy, I guess it's called Annecy, uh, which are the guys that did uh, multiplayer on Assassin's Creed 2 and Raymond 2. They are not saying exactly what that team is working on specifically, but they join two other teams, uh, Massive Entertainment in Sweden and Red Storm in the US, as well as the Ubisoft Reflections team in the UK. So this is a third team in a third country, or excuse me, fourth team in a fourth country that is working on this game, which makes me worried about a game that I didn't think was going to have, uh, even though it's called the division, I didn't think it was going to have many divisions as far as one thing from another. I thought it was going to be a big open world game where multiplayer bleeds into single player bleeds back into multiplayer, this big sort of role-playing world that just is populated by people in real time all over the world. Do you think this is a a, a bad thing, JC? Is it, uh, is it cause for concern? Are we, are we thinking division is going to even come out this year?
2: I think it'll definitely mean that they'll probably push it back for sure when they originally thought they were going to to bring it back. But I mean, Anansi has a lot of um, experience, at least in in games and in I think multiplayer was what they have a lot of experience in. But then also they haven't confirmed yet that that's what Anansi is going to be working on. They're keeping that secret. So who knows? Mm -hmm. But I think it'll definitely push it back.
0: Yeah, I don't think this is a 2015 release anymore, which will make me very sad, but uh, it seems to be the trend. Um, Christian, what's your take?
1: I want to be optimistic in that they're bringing in someone else to hopefully make the division live up to what they've promised it to be. And I would take that over, you know, I would take Ubisoft going the Nintendo route versus what they've done for Assassin's Creed for so many years and just getting a game out because they have to get it out or um, Watch was such a disappointment to me in what they promised and what they delivered. So if this means that the division gets closer to what they promised, I'm all for it. If it still comes out crap and it comes out a year later, uh, that's unfortunate because then I think there's going to be layoffs from these studios because I don't know how long Ubisoft can carry the, the cost of developing a game like this. I also think it'd be really weird if they trot it out again at E3. I kind of think they can't do much with it without a release date because it's already been the you know, the big thing at their press conference two years in a row now. And at this point, I don't think people want to hear about it until they can play it.
0: Yeah. I think you make good points. Mm-hmm. Um, Space Bob in the chat asked what the release date was for division. It never had a firm one, but it was always, uh, you know, end of 2015. I think the the window uh, I would be surprised if it hits that, but it's, it's a game that looked so great. I mean, the visuals alone were really next gen and and spectacular even two years ago when they first debuted them and that new engine uh, just looks stunning but more than that it seemed like from a gameplay perspective it was going to be the promise of what this generation brings as far as always online this seamless integration of other people in the world populating your world dynamic objectives being uh, peppered in so that you're just brought into encounters with other players rather than having to sort of queue for multiplayer or anything like that it just seemed really interesting and, and awesome and i hope that they haven't over promised um but you know they're certainly leveraging a lot of resources uh, across a lot of different countries to make this game uh so who knows who knows we will see more at e3 i suspect but i hope that uh i hope it does come out this year it only if it's ready to. Right. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, that does it for uh, Stories of the Week. Let's move on to the playlist. Ooh, what you playing this week?
1: Tell us. Ooh, what you playing this week? Tell us on the play-
0: Oh, I'm excited because I know what's on your playlist JC let's talk some hots I haven't been able to talk hots in a while on this show because everybody gets mad at me because I get too into it and I get too excited <laughs> but um tell me about so here's what I want to know well first tell me about what you've been playing this week uh but then we'll okay. dig deeper uh, after that
2: All right, so I think mostly I've really been getting back into playing a lot of Brightwing. She's always Mm. been my favorite. My stream is actually completely focus like my overlays and stuff around her because I've always really loved her as a character. But then I also just really enjoy her play style. And she was the first person I got uh, the master skin for. And then because I try to make myself play other heroes so that I a, can level them up and b know them more for when I'm casting them. I kind of made myself, you know, put her on the back burner a bit, but I brought her back out this weekend. It's been a lot of fun as always still playing her and then playing some Jaina as well.
0: So what is your process of, Learning a hero to be competent enough to to be able to cast that hero. I mean, it, it seems like such a unique skill uh, to be able to play effectively and also narrate your your play your playing of that character.
2: So, in order to make sure that bare minimum for casting somebody, I at least made flashcards to learn all the abilities and tried to go through and learn the standard builds for for each hero so that I can know if they're deviating from that and so mm-hmm. then from there getting to where I really understand the playstyle and the positioning of the, the hero it's trying to get them to that level 10 status I feel like I don't really start to fully grasp how to play a hero until at least level 9 and then something between level 9 and level 10 all of those games that you have to play something really clicks for me and from there I really start to understand it and then I feel far more comfortable casting them
0: yeah I think that, uh, judging from the feedback I've gotten on this show, I, I would guess that the majority of my audience is either casual MOBA players or, or, you know, thinking about getting into a MOBA. And when I talk about hots, I get a lot of people asking if, if, if they should get into it, how should they get into it?
2: Mm-hmm. What is your
0: advice for people that are new to this genre? And, and, you know, this game comes out in June 2nd. It'll be free to play. What's your advice for people getting into the game?
2: Well, it's definitely, I think, a lot easier to get into than a game like League of Legends or Dota because there's not a standard shop. You, you have talents that are specific to heroes and they're even, they start out what we call talent gating, which is you only have to pick between a couple of different talents each level. And as you get to know them and level them up, then you get more and more choices. So they do a really good job of making it easy for you to transition into. I would say the best thing is just to, um, ask advice from people. Just hop into the game and start playing. You're going to learn things, but don't be afraid to ask things. Yeah, there's going to be, of course, with any online community, there's going to be some people who are lame and stupid, but there are a lot of people in this community who are more than willing to be helpful. Will give advice. Will be really nice, and will will help you learn learn the game more.
0: Did you and have play a, with uh, friends
2: too? Sorry, play with friends. Yeah,
0: no, I agree, and I think co-op mode is a great place to start as well. Yes, rather than jumping into quick match or, or something uh, where you're you know you're liable to. You know, be playing against other people and therefore the stakes are a little higher and people can get them a little more angry. Um, mm-hmm. You you play a lot of uh, StarCraft before this. And so, we, you know, you were into the esports community there as well. So you definitely weren't starting from zero. But what what was your experience starting up? Did you play League before or Dota or anything like that?
2: I didn't didn't ever really get into Dota but did play quite a bit of League and what I really liked was that I never really liked the atmosphere of oh I have to get the last hits on On minions and you can never take those because i'm the i'm the carry i need that and like oh i needed to get that kill you shouldn't have gotten that kill on them but at the same time like you might your team might not have gotten a kill at all if they had not thrown in damage and i never really liked that atmosphere it wasn't for me and what i really like about heroes is that it's completely team-based you get team kills there's no such thing as kill stealing and i think it's generated a much better community as a result
0: yeah, I completely agree with that. I think for me, that's that might be the the biggest thing I like about Hots is it, it, they really they dub it a brawler instead of a, a moba, and it really is that it's this is these big fun team fights that everybody's contributing, and you really are playing your role, and you really are contributing, and, and that sense of contributing to the team at all times, contributing uh, XP wise, contributing to kills, and not having to worry about all of those weird etiquette rules that you were talking about. I think that's a huge part of what makes it fun for me as well.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And besides the fact that I've always been a fan of Blizzard games, and I think that a lot of people have always loved the Blizzard lore, the the great lore that they create for their games. And it's cool to see finally all of their big characters in one place, like seeing Tyrael fight Kerrigan and Diablo take on... Uh, I don't know, coming soon. It's, it's just a really cool experience for any Blizzard lover.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that describes me as well. Do you have a um, recommendation for a good starting hero or a few different starting heroes if people want to pick up the game?
2: Yeah, so I think Blizzard did a great job with this as well in the shop. Any of the cheaper heroes, prices are going to be the the easier ones to pick up as far as like, um, depending on what types of roles you like to play, if you prefer to play assassins, is a really good one. Vala is excellent as well. And then for supports, definitely check out Uther or Lily And then if you like the tanks, then they're a little bit more difficult but i would say probably like etc diablo um those those two are pretty good to start out with and then the specialists or the other class they're a little bit more difficult so i'd say wait until you get a little more of a grasp before taking them on
0: yeah awesome um i want to talk a little bit about esports because you certainly know that world better than either christian or i do um and it's exploding. Uh, here's the dorm was so awesome. That was really the first time I'd ever been to a live esports competition. Well, maybe that's not true. I went to a, a halo thing back in the TRS days, but anyway, it really captivated me. It, it it brought me into that world in a way I hadn't been before. Um, describe the, the community of esports and sort of your function in it and what, what, what people can do to become more aware of what's going on.
2: So each community for a game is going to be different, the esports community. But for Heroes specifically, right now, it's very um, open, inviting. People are very generally really, really nice and supportive of each other trying to build up the community, which I think is really cool. And it's evidenced with streamers specifically will make sure to host another streamer when they end their stream. It's just kind of like a, Hey, I'm done now, but you should really go watch this person if you're still wanting to watch because they're, they're really cool. And it's just a really cool, supportive community that's being made. What I do in it is I stream. I also cast. Um, An amateur series, which I think is really awesome that we even have. So teams, people who are looking to make teams but aren't on the level of like the major teams can come in and still experience a tournament atmosphere. But without the pressure of trying to just play these teams that, of course, are just going to be ridiculously good because they're getting paid to Mm -hmm. play. So I think that that's a really cool thing that we've got. We've actually got a couple of different amateur series that people can just make teams and join in with or whenever. So I cast that. I also cast um, another series that is major, but it's I provide the English cast for a Chinese scene. And I think that's something else that's really cool that people don't really know about with esports is that there's like s- specific s- uh, scenes based on region and you're going to see different play styles within that. So the really cool thing is to see those play styles go up against each other. And as heroes gets bigger, we're going to get to see that more and more. And that will be the really cool thing to see because then you're kind of, cheering for your home team from wherever you're from, maybe. And that's, I think something that people don't realize is just like with sports, you'd see people doing that. You have that in esports too. Yeah,
0: that's cool. I certainly was, was doing that with uh, UC Berkeley at Heroes of the yeah. Dorm. Cause I, you know, I went to a UC school. I'm going to cheer for uh, my UC. Um It's, it's a blast. And, and I think you guys are doing a great job. I was watching some of your stuff uh, all week and and it's, it's great. And it, as you said, it is very welcoming and it is this burgeoning community of, of here's the storm. Cause it's a game that's just starting up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's easy to get into, especially as somebody that, that digs the game as much as I do. Um, awesome. Is, is there any other stuff that you've been playing outside of here's the storm or are you just focused on that?
2: The last game I played was I finished Dragon Age Inquisition after like 95 hours trying to be every every single quest. I'm a huge fan of Dragon Age. But since then, I've been like, okay, I need to buckle down and just focus on heroes.
0: Are you uh, excited about The Witcher? Is that going to be your next uh, obsession like me?
2: I don't know what my next obsession will be. I'm trying to like limit myself about getting too hyped about other games because I know that I'm trying to make a career right now in in mm-hmm. heroes, streaming heroes, and then also getting into casting. And that requires a lot of time focused on one game. So maybe once I get there, then I can relax a little bit and focus on playing other games again because I really do um, love games like that for sure.
0: So 95 hours of uh, Inquisition, what what's your what are your thoughts overall? I mean, you must have loved it, but do you have any specific criticisms or things that you particularly liked?
2: Um I still feel like I out of all of the the three of them um in terms of fighting, I loved the fighting style of Origins the most, but hmm. I really loved the I know most people didn't, but I really did. But as far as the um the open air feel of it and the story was just amazing. I really appreciated it. I loved it. I'm so glad they took time after the second one, the flop that was the second one, to make mm-hmm. this one right. And I was really happy about it as like somebody who has just been obsessed with the Dragon Age games ever since or- Origins.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I think that the first uh, game Origins was uh, the least arcadey of the fighting styles. It was the least, you know, push a button and smack something of, exactly. of the arcade of the fighting styles. And it's interesting that you like that the best. I think I maybe may, maybe did as well. Uh, I certainly think that Inquisition is vastly improved from from the second one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, like- yeah, it's.
2: Sorry. I just felt like the origins um, was more of like the old school like Baldur's Gate where you really like or even Icewind Dale where you really paused and you considered mm-hmm. okay what's this person going to do at this point and then this person's going to do this and you really cued everyone up and it's just you can do that but it's not really needed anymore in the second and third one I'm, and at, the, at w- on the one hand I'm like yes because I already spend too much time playing these games so that's probably a good thing but on the mm-hmm. other hand I kind of really enjoyed that I guess I'm a micromanager I don't know
0: <laughs> I completely agree with you. I I I found it surprising when I would talk about those games and I would get response from people that said, "Oh no, I paused all the time." Cuz I felt like in the second one and the third one, I I didn't have any need to pause. And I almost had very little need to even switch characters ex- except in very intense boss fights or something. I yeah. I almost just stuck with one character and just flailed and attacked and, and and you know, used all the skills. And it was still fun, but it mm-hmm. didn't have that tactician's approach that you're describing. Exactly. Um, If you get a chance, I know you're, you're locked into, uh, uh, you know, training on, on hots and stuff, but. If you get a chance to play Pillars of Eternity, that game is the Icewind Dale Baldur's Gate successor that you are looking for. I mean, oh, it is okay. made by the guys that made those games. And, uh, it very much is a love letter to those games. And it's awesome. The story is fantastic. Uh, and the combat is exactly what you're hoping it would be. It's, it's, you know, pause a lot, figure out who to, who to attack where. And I mean, it's, it is made in the template of those old games and it's great.
2: All right. Well, when I when I lose my casting gigs that I have because I'm too obsessed with this game, I will be coming after you. But thank you
0: for
2: the recommendation. That sounds awesome.
1: (laughs) It's very cool. Pillars of Eternity. Um, Christian, what is on your playlist? As promised, um, Wolfenstein, The Old Blood came out. It's a standalone twenty dollar downloadable game. It, I'm playing it on PS4. It's a prequel to Wolfenstein The New Order, which is the the full, I think you can probably find that for $20 too. So <laughs> if you haven't played that, maybe pick that up first, even though the story isn't uh, dependent on playing one or the other. But The Old Blood is a downloadable game, eight chapters long. I'm, I think I'm three into it. And... I'm really enjoying it, but it's kind of. And I, I've heard some uh, other people talk about it, and, and read some critiques of the game. And I guess the first half of the game is kind of slow, and then the back half of the game it kind of opens up and becomes cool and awesome and everything that you loved about the um, the old one. Uh, gosh, the naming the, the naming conventions of these games makes it difficult to talk about the old one. You know, the new one, uh, <laughs> <laughs> last year's game, the new order. And I I can see that the first half is, is where I am at least so far is very standard. But I feel like the combat in both the New Order and so far in the Old Blood is satisfying. It's old school in a way, old school first person shooter in a way that is cool, but at the same time, updated enough that it doesn't. You're not playing Doom or you know Wolfenstein 3D, but you can be dual wielding two AK-47s. You're, you're not going to uh, go down the scope. You're not going to iron sight on them, but your aim is still pretty accurate. But it has a little bit of a kick, so you can't just hone in on a dude with a super powerful gun and know that it's your bullets stay true. And I feel like um, they've done a really good job of balancing that. The it, it moves a little quicker. Uh, BJ still moves around the world a little quicker than say Halo or even Call of Duty to some extent, or the speed itself might not be quicker, but it harkens back to that feeling of the old PC first person shooters. And what I really like about even this first half, and I think it was true in last year's new order as well is I think that they set up the combat areas really well where there's places where you can take cover and hide behind a pillar or get behind a crate that might get shot up or destroyed, but it never quite feels like there's enough of it and guys will flank you or come out from the side so you can't just find your spot, hunker down, and then pop out and shoot, pop out and shoot, pop out and shoot. You'll find your spot, you think you're good, you think you're fortified, you have some armor around that you can pick up if you need it and then all of a sudden dudes will come out from another side or a super-powered guy will come out. So they do a really good job of keeping you engaged in what is, you know, essentially a um, wall-down mini-horde mode that so many action games have, right? You get go through a hallway, get to a big area, they flood dudes in and you take them out. But I think the way these Wolfenstein games approach that is, is really refreshing and really cool. I don't know how it is on, like, the easier difficulties but at normal and harder I feel like they strike that balance really, really well. Graphically, the game looks good slash I don't know, which I think was also true of last year's The New Order where I know that was a cross-gen game and and, and some people were upset. They think the graphics were held back because of that, where the environments and you'll see light and dust hanging in the air and light catching the dust particles and water splashing up and blood splattering places and then you'll see a dude's face and it just looks like someone took a Ken doll dipped it in oil (laughs) and its mouth is moving like the the (laughs) characters at times look really odd and like you'll put your hand up and hold someone else's hand in your hand must be the size of shaquille o'neal's but (laughs) everything else about you is normal size there's really weird (laughs) things that pull me out of an otherwise really cool atmosphere where you know what they say
0: about guys with big hands christian Everything are, else
1: about them is normal science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That I I have heard that. <laughs> but I mean, I think if you like the new order, which I think a lot of people did, and you're looking for something to fill your week before Witcher or Batman next month or something like that, I I could recommend this game. It's 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 a lot of fun so far, and it doesn't overstay. It's welcome from what I've heard, and it's not super expensive, which is things I like, especially because. Um, I even have less playtime now than I did <laughs> than I did before, and yeah, then I've man. also been diving back into Marvel. I'm still Wait, continuing with Marvel be- Heroes 2015. I before, just you really to, wish- before
0: you get to that, let me. Uh, yeah.
1: I just want to ask you a little bit about uh, uh, Old
0: Blood. It, it sounds a little bit like it's more of the same. Is it just more of the same? I mean, I know you loved the first Wolfenstein, or not the first, but last year's the Wolfenstein. New Order. Yeah, yeah, I know you loved it, and and you it was you know one of your favorite games of the year. So more of the same isn't
1: necessarily a bad thing, but is it? Is it just more of the same? It is and it isn't, right? It's not reinventing. The New Order put a new spin on Wolfenstein and I think made a compelling first-person Wolfenstein game that hadn't existed in a while. But what the New Order did really well is the story, and aside from the combat, but it really shed new light on this 90s action hero BJ, Blazkowicz, and and played him well where it winked at he's a 90s action hero living outside his time and all of that stuff was really cool. The old blood doesn't have that, at least so far. I haven't seen that because you are the action hero living in the action hero time. So you don't get some of those cool references where you're a man that doesn't belong and you're only good at killing and, you know, at least they need you and this is going to happen, but you're dealing with these other people that have lived in this uh, alternate future where the Nazis won world war two. So it doesn't hit on those story notes, but the combat, the the pacing through the levels and the feel of the game does feel like more of the same. But to me, it's been long enough and I'm personally in between that type of game right now that it's filling that void nicely and it won't overstay. It's welcome. I don't know if I'm ready for another 40 hour game of that, but another six Mm -hmm. hour game. Yeah, I'm game. Cool. And uh, Marvel Heroes, you said you're back into that. Well, I haven't stopped. I'm still enjoying it. I just really wish there was controller support. After playing Diablo three on consoles, and then now, you know, spending I don't know what I'm in five, ten hours in Marvel Heroes. I just have found that I really enjoy that. What do you call it? A sit back versus sit forward game. I used to think yeah. Diablo was a sit forward game until they nailed they nailed it on PS4 and Xbox One. I think that version of the game is so amazing that i've now been converted and i want all of those to be couch games hmm. interesting yeah
0: yeah I've, i played a bunch of that game uh, as well and man it's good it's real good it's really especially if you haven't got a marvel heroes fix like i do
1: uh you, you know you need that fix you it's got tons of heroes that's for sure um yeah yeah it's good um, it's not great it could be better they could explain things a little more um, yeah. the levels could be a little more intricate and, um, exciting as you get into new areas as you're going through. It's kind of, it looks like it's almost randomly generated. I know they're not, but it feels that way with like, here's that briefcase, here's that shelf, here's that desk, but it's mm-hmm. free and you don't have to pay. And I think you could easily get, again, if you're in between games, you could easily get 10 to 15 hours out of the, out of Marvel heroes, 2015 for free and enjoy your time with it.
0: Cool. Uh, well, it's been uh, a few weeks since we've done stories of glories or tales of fails, but we got some cool submissions. This was sent in by datsim1015. He writes, uh, several months ago, my best friend picked up a Wii U and Mario Kart. As we started playing, an unprecedented level of competitiveness came out of both of us. Mario Kart seems to have that effect on people. Well, we were both trying to have the perfect cup, getting first place in all the races. There was a lot of back and forth during the cups, and then one night, I was on fire. I got first place in the first race. On the second race, I was trailing, but a perfectly timed red shell allowed me to get first place again. The third race was another first place victory. I was nervous, my hands almost moist... And I was trying hard not to jinx myself. I was struggling to hold the first place position in the fourth race. It was the third and final lap. I was holding the first place position for most of the lap. And it looked like I was going to get my perfect cup. I was just barely in front of my friend who was trying to aim a green shell at me. As we were coming into the final stretch, the worst thing happened. I got hit by a blue shell, and I watched my friend go right by me. His gloating and jubilation started immediately. He was so excited to have passed me and stopped me from getting my perfect cup that unbeknownst to him, he released his green shell Then a miracle happened. Just as he was about to cross the finish line, the green shell ricocheted back and hit him. I came up to steal the first place spot and win the perfect cup. Hubris, folks. Hubris (laughs) on display in Datsim 1015's uh, Stories of Glories and Tales of Fails. If you want to send in your own story uh, for the show, you can do that by sending an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by posting it on our subreddit. Uh, you guys ever have a moment like that where you 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 snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat?
1: I'm sure yeah. I have. I feel like the ones I remember are when I get it snatched away from me, though, right? Those are the ones that stick yeah. with me. Uh, Madden on Genesis. I, I had it. It was in the bag. And then I just got arrogant and I threw a Hail Mary and he intercepted it. KC um, was a guy who was playing. And he intercepted it and ran it all the way back. And I was like, Ugh. what was I doing? <laughs>
0: yeah, I had a I had a here's the storm match the other day where uh, we won with two percent of our core alive. And uh, that was those are those are fun. When Were you, you like, shaking?
2: You... Yeah, that I happens was... to me. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you start shaking say, like, because 80. you're so excited. Yeah, well, you're just like, oh, my, you're so nervous. Like, are we going to do this? And then you have to, like, take a breath after those, like, sit back a little bit. When it happens to me on stream, I've had a couple of those really close ones like that. You're just like, ah, I'm trying not to scream into my microphone and blast (laughs) people's ears. But I'm really happy that we won that.
0: (laughs) Did you see one of my favorite moments? I think I mentioned it on the show, too, is uh, during Heroes of the Dorm uh, at the Boston College ASU game where they, like, cut to a shot of one of the guys on Boston College who were the underdogs in that match and they were he they clearly knew they were about to win and he starts jumping up and down in his seat going, Core, core, core. In fact I think yeah. we we titled our episode that that week. Um it was such a great moment. I've totally felt that before of like, I think it's happening. I think we're gonna win. You know, it's uh it's great.
2: Yeah. Oh, I love that <laughs> feeling. It sucks though the when best. it's your when I mean, it's the uh, you're on the opposite though, just like Spicer yes. said, it's the worst feeling.
0: Yes, when you when you know you should have won and you you know you, you, it. you yes yeah the worst. Uh, all right, guys, uh, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Oh shoot, that still doesn't work. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> fix it from last week. Oh man, the worst, guys, the worst. All right. Well, we're still going to do tabletop time. Just not going to have the bumper because uh, this whole time, week I didn't Tabletop fix it. time. Tabletop
1: time. Tabletop time, time, time. Tabletop Oh, shoot, guys. That doesn't work. There's a new bumper. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I like that. That's good. Oh, uh, I'm excited uh,
0: because JC's here and she's a – a designer board gamer um, you actually do a designer board gaming show is that correct
2: yeah it's been a while since our last episode but we're trying to get it back up in the summer as my brother is one of the main members and he's a teacher and he's been really busy but we're hoping to have that back up back going to youtube uh when summer hits
0: okay cool what's it called
2: Table flipping board games
0: Table flipping board games I think there's a bunch of people flipping the table on me right now in the chat There's so much anger that the the Bumper didn't play People, uh, I'm sorry I apologize um, So, I see that you have been playing uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown The co-op board game version of the Popular video game franchise uh, Christian and I Didn't really love it when we played We only played it once, but uh, what was your take on it?
2: So It was incredibly hard, and we were playing like this starter mission because it was the first time I'd ever played it, and I just could not fathom why it would be this difficult. And then afterward, my brother explained to me that out of like the seven times he's played the starter mission, showing the game to people, that was the worst one he's ever played. Hmm. So I at least felt a little bit better in that, but I was the researcher, and... It constantly was like, oh, we d- we can't give you money because we have to give money to the person running the, the drones or the person running the soldiers. And I was like, this must be what a real-life scientist feels like. That the funding to science is the first thing to go, and you sit there the entire game doing zero things. So that was a little bit frustrating. I don't know. I would have to play it again. the stupid
0: military gets all the money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. I think you were the researcher when we played, right, Christian? yeah it, it's an interesting role where you are kind of dependent on what other people spend or do i remember a couple of times we were playing with zav and and he like you know i'm gonna buy these planes and i just was just glaring at him like no you're not <laughs> i mean, <laughs> let me upgrade the things we have we can do this nah here come the planes and then what happened we got the planes destroyed sweet yeah it's a great co-op game in the sense that
0: you don't play, a lot of those co-op games suffer from what they call the alpha gamer syndrome, where everybody is kind of creating a global strategy and one player who may fancy themselves, you know, more knowledgeable or, or just a, more, has a more bombastic personality might take over and sort of dictate what everybody else is doing because you're all sort of planning together what to do. This game, yeah. you can't really do that because you, A, you don't have time because there's a tick, tick, tick of a timer on you. Uh, and also, you know, y- The way the roles are set up, they're so different and you have all this information that everybody else doesn't have. You have to play your role uh, yourself, which I think is, is to the game's credit.
2: Yeah. And I really like games that have a timer function too, like Space Cadets and Space Alert. I don't know yeah it's about games with space but i really like the timer function because a i love board games and i if i'm in the mood for a long board game that it's fine but if i have to sit for like five six hours of a board game i really want to know that i have to sit there for that long and so <laughs> i value games that still create a really cool atmosphere but are able to pull it off in a shorter time frame.
0: Yeah, we didn't like it. Maybe it was better for you if you were playing with someone that had already played a few times, but we were all trying to learn together and we felt like the app didn't do a very good job of conveying the flow of the game to us. It was very Mm -hmm. stop and starty and we kept having to read the app and you know search that little little mini Wikipedia that's involved. Yeah. Um,
2: The one thing I disliked about it had to do with the app too. And that was just like, you didn't really understand why all of a sudden more, like we were losing and so they were giving us more ships because we were already losing and doing badly it's like why would you want to pile it on i feel like that would make it a a bad game scenario or like a a feel for the game when you're like doing badly and it just keeps piling on and making it even worse instead of like maybe easing up a little bit to even it out since it has something that's reacting to the how the game has already like the status of the game, you would think that maybe it would give you like a little bit of break somewhere so that you could at least maybe get close before you lose instead of just bombing like we did.
0: Yeah. A lot of those games, they compound uh, your, your problems very quickly. And yeah, it could be, it could be discouraging. We certainly didn't win our game either. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would love to play it again. I just, I just, it was a little disappointing. I have to admit that that first playthrough of XCOM. I know a lot of people love it, so maybe we're the outliers. But um, I thought the dice rolling was fun.
2: I hate dice rolling. Really? How can you yes. hate dice? Because it's
0: luck. Because it's luck.
2: Yeah, but I do like the idea of like pressing your luck. I I feel like mm-hmm. I'm just really unlucky when it comes to dice rolling. But I do like the idea that you could press your luck, but more bad things might happen as a result. Kind of yeah. like uh, how Robinson Crusoe has as well i just like games that at least you get to choose and it's your fault if you messed it up even more
0: (laughs) (laughs) right yeah that yeah i thought that was a really cool mechanic um you also put uh scrum brawl down on here which is a uh more much more obscure game um sort of an arena almost like a a fantasy sport game right kind of kind of like a, a heroes of the storm board game i would guess
2: Yeah, it's basically like a rugby game, which I on the surface did not think I would like. But you you play as teams of different fantasy creatures and who have like different abilities. And there's a ton of different stats that each people each character has and your goal is to get these portals in or these orbs into portals and once you do that then your team scores but of course different people are playing with characters who can steal the ball from you they can just kill you outright and then take the orb and all the orbs have like different abilities so they might one might uh, be the chaos orb that every time your character has to go you have to re-roll your random location so it keeps porting you to other locations that one is by far the weirdest one but it's just really chaotic and fun and for a sports game, which I'm not a huge fan of sports, I, I really love it. I try to play it whenever I can.
0: That's cool. I, I've, uh, I've not played that, but I've heard good things about it. That's um, so called Scrum Brawl. Yes. Uh, what is your favorite board game in the whole wide world?
2: Uh, I think it's Arkham Horror. Sometimes I change oh. from that, but almost always it's Arkham Horror. I just really love... The atmosphere of that game, Fantasy Flight games are my favorite anyway, and the atmosphere of it's really cool. I've always really liked the whole, like, old god going into different dimensions. All of that's really neat, too, and then the characters are really fun. There's a couple of things that I dislike about Arkham, but overall, I think it's that or Battlestar Galactica.
0: Nice. Yeah, I, I'm definitely on board with uh, Battlestar Galactica. That's a fantastic game with uh, a traitor in your midst. You're trying to figure out who the Cylons are and trying to, you know, solve missions and and sabotage missions. If you are a Cylon, that's a great game. Arkham yeah. Horror. Everyone loves it. But me, I think uh, everyone <laughs> loves that game. But me, I don't I just I don't love it. I like it. I don't love it. Um, Have you
2: tried I, any of the other games that are based like it? Like, Horror yeah, um, or Mansions of Madness even is really cool.
0: I like Mansions of Madness. Of those three, I think Mansions of Madness is my favorite. But Mansions of Madness is more sort of dungeon crawly, and you're you know you're building the board as you go, rather than the sort of massive things that Eldritch and and uh, Arkham are doing. Um, I just find them a little more fiddly than I'd like, and I feel like those games, like, like what you were talking about with XCOM, those games punish you kind of out of nowhere. And I don't know. I, I don't like, I don't like, I'm not a huge co-op board gamer anyway. I find myself, um, less and less interested in those games just because when things go bad, they, they make you, f- it's more about, mitigating horrible stuff happening rather than trying to make good stuff happen. And I like playing board When I'm playing board games, I like trying to make good stuff happen. I like building things and creating economic engines and getting points and all that stuff. And those games are all about, like, just prevent the end of the world, please. <laughs> yeah, You make a good
2: point. I don't know why. I, I do usually prefer cooperative games, but I'm also like weirdly too competitive and I get kind of embarrassed by it. So I think that's why I gravitate toward the co- cooperative games more. But you, yeah, that's a really good point. It usually is just mitigating a bunch of crap happening. I think that's why I expected XCOM to at least not, not pile it on like that because it with the app can sense how bad the game's going and could maybe... Not right. let the randomness of it get so bad, but no, it was still bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I just wanted to bring up, this isn't a designer board game, and it's not something I usually talk about uh, in this section, but I wanted to talk about the fact that I played a bunch of dominoes this week. We had Mother's Day weekend, and I hung out with my uh, in-laws, and they're really into dominoes. And I was reminded how much I dig dominoes. It's fun. You know, it seems like... um my parents' generation and my wife's parents' generation, uh, the games that they're willing to play are games that you can sort of play and still have a conversation and you can only, and you only have to half pay attention to them. You know, there's a lot of card games that you can sort of play by rote and dominoes is like that where you can sort of play it by rote, but there's still strategy involved. And we played, um, Mexican trained dominoes, which is a lot of fun and, uh, it reminded me that, any tabletop experience, even ones that aren't brain burners or, you know, real intense thematic experiences or, or, you know, don't require your full attention all the time, like, like the, my favorites in the genre can still be a lot of fun and can still be worthwhile experiences and bring people together in such a wonderful way, sitting around the table, eating, drinking, talking, and playing these board games. Um, we had a we had a great time and it's something that I want to encourage. If anybody hasn't played Mexican train dominoes, it's quite fun. Quite fun.
2: It is fun. Um yeah, yeah, I Christian play with you got my any uh,
0: Have you ever played dominoes? Oh, you play with your grandparents? Yeah. Do you make the choo choo sound like uh like I would do when we every time we'd put the train up?
2: Uh <laughs> I don't think I do that. No, but now I kind of right. want a train whistle for that.
1: You got to do that. You got to do that. Uh, you ever played dominoes, Christian? A long time ago at summer camp, I would play dominoes and it was perfect for that, but it wasn't something that like, stuck with me. I know there are people that love it. Um, there are people I used to, when I used to live in a different part of LA at a park, there'd be a group of, I don't know, youngest seemed maybe 20 to the oldest is probably 70 and they would be there every week big 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 games of dominoes like multiple tables and everybody was having a great time but for me it just didn't uh didn't click but it's certainly an easy game to play you don't have to worry about losing i mean breaking uh any of your pieces you know (laughs) and it's harder to lose because they're not tiny that is very true
0: uh all right guys this was a real fun episode thank you jc for being here um
2: Thank you Ms. so much Gillyweed for having
0: herself. me. Gillyweed herself. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a parting gift to finish out the show. But before we get there, tell people where they can follow your exploits this week.
2: Well, you can follow me on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, all Gillyweed SC2, like StarCraft 2. And. Um, I'm also, I do a lot of different things like casting on a different channels and, um, I do a diff- uh, my community shows on a different Twitch channel. So generally the best way to catch what I'm doing is to watch my stream. It's at 3 PM central time on my Twitch channel or to follow me on Twitter. I always announce what I'm doing on there. Um, every time I have a new, new or thing that I'm doing.
0: And that's uh gillyweed SC two on Twitter. Uh,
1: Christian, what about you? What you got going on this week? Thursday is improv versus stand-up at UCB Franklin it's going to be a really really fun show if you're in LA come out to that you'll get to see how I do um, kicking things off with um, I don't know maybe six hours of sleep spanning the week man having kids is the best but I mean this first part is uh, I've been playing sleep deprivation the game which is it's really fun <laughs> you always lose you always lose that game you you do you always always hopefully you're not operating heavy machinery when you lose but uh, <laughs> uh, but it's thursday at ucb and then i am at twitter at spicer and my comedy album moment in time is still available and bloodstained ritual of the night has already surpassed four hundred thousand dollars in the span of us
0: doing this <laughs> show it doubled its money yeah Holy moly. Wow. Imagine what happened if they added a symphony to that night.
2: (laughs) Stretch goal. Um,
0: Stretch goal. Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Cannata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And you can listen to me talk about movies over at the Slash Filmcast. I had a very spirited debate about Avengers Age of Ultron on that show last week. We're going to be doing uh, a, a movie that I will be talking about. At the end of this show in my parting gift this week, uh, that's at slash filmcast.com. Also, listen to me to make the funny, the comedy with uh, newly wedded Anthony Carboni. I was at his wedding this weekend, which was a lot of fun. Um, that's we have concerns at we have concerns.com. Check that out if you would. Also, why not give our show some love on the platform of your choice? Give us a little five-star review over there on the iTunes. We certainly would appreciate that. If it takes no time at all, just uh, hop over there and do that. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, But now, let's get to the parting gift.
1: Hey, give us a suggestion.
0: Tracy, do you have a uh, recommendation to take people into next week?
2: Yes. If you are into reading, I would definitely recommend The Martian by Andy Weir. It's a fantastic book. It's sci-fi at its greatest, in my opinion. They do such a good job of creating an amazing protagonist that you cannot help but love and root for. It's like a cool, futuristic, but not too, not too future, in the not-so-distant future, you might even say. Um setting. It's just really cool and it's kind of a castaway type story as well. It's by Andy Weir but also if you think the story sounds cool but don't have time to read, the movie is coming in November and they have a crazy cast lined up for that as well i think um i'm blanking on his name matt
0: damon matt yeah.
2: damon thank you we'll be playing the main character and after reading it i think like reading it and then going to the IMDb imdb page and looking at who ridley scott who's going to be directing it and the casting people picked up for the cast everybody just fits so well i'm very i'm very excited to see it on on film as well but definitely check out the book it's amazing
0: could not agree more and don't wait for the movie. I will st- straight out say it. Don't wait for the movie. Read the book because the book is you'll, – you'll read it in no time at all. It, it, you won't be able to put it down. It's phenomenal. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, Christian, how about you? What do you got as a parting gift? We were chatting about it a little pre-show um, last week tonight with John Oliver. I think everybody kind of knows about it and loves it. He was a guest uh, host and correspondent on The Daily Show before he got his own show. It is Sundays on HBO last week tonight with John Oliver. I love it. I think it's hysterical this week's episode. He did a large segment on mother's day, which I'm sure you can probably just find on YouTube or something like that as well. Highly recommend watching last week tonight with John Oliver. He makes me giggle. Yeah. So good. Uh,
0: I saw a movie called What We Do in the Shadows. I saw it in theaters, but I'm told it was just released a video on demand. So if it's not playing around you, which it very well may not, it's a smaller release. Uh, find it on video on demand. Watch it. It is fantastic great. It made me laugh. Uh, uncontrollably in the theater all by myself, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, it is Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords, and it is one of the most brilliant takes on vampires I've ever seen. It's as if these vampires were making a documentary about themselves, and it is smart, funny, and awesome. It's called What We Do in the Shadows. Don't even look it up. Don't try to find a trailer. Just watch it. It, it will be worth your time. You will laugh your butt off. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We will be back again next Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. As we always are. We hope you can hang out with us. Got to thank uh, JC Gluck for hanging out with us. Awesome to have you on the show and Christian Spicer, as always, our folks at five by five for helping us out making things work smoothly all the folks in the chat room thank you for contributing to the show as well and all of you listening we appreciate it we'll see you next time until then think about what you put out into the world make it a better place